It's been a, a, a too long, a long time. Three Piala yeah. boys on the show here uh, today, reviewing the Sugar Bowl that is coming up just five days away. But let's rewind the clock. Let's go back to 91. I was in the stands at the Rose Bowl. Uh, Damon was redshirting down there on the sidelines. Number 12 with the Cowboy Collar was flinging around with Key Jackson on the call, throwing touchdowns to Mark Bruner in the back end cool. zone. I remember many of those things. When you think back to the 91 Rose Bowl title game, what memories flood into your mind as you think back to that moment decades ago? Well, the title game, I actually remember my mistakes more than I remember all of the fun stuff. Uh, I remember the first pick I threw. I don't know if I threw two, but I remember one interception in particular. I came to the sidelines and I told Gilby, Coach Gilbertson, hey, man, they're dropping those backers deep. I don't know if I'm going to be able to shoot it down the middle to – uh, you know, our tight ends on that bender. And he goes, well, just dump it down and we'll suck them up. Just dump them down. We'll, we'll get them to, we'll get them to come forward. You're, you're going to have your opportunities. I'm like, okay, I'll just be patient. The very next Bracken series, I dropped back and tried to force a post to the left side, threw it right to the freaking dropping linebacker. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. Classic dumb me. And you wonder why coaches always had a hard time dealing with me because I just did stupid crap like that all the freaking time. Um, obviously, I played better moving forward after that. But as I was coming to the sidelines, I was mad at myself, cussing myself. I can't repeat it. But I remember looking at Gilbert and he had this look in his eyes like, dude, we, like, we just like literally just talked about it. Hey, son, don't stick that screwdriver in the socket. What, dad? And then you stick it in there and you zap. And it was just, I think he was just so profoundly disgusted at the stupidity that I showed. Don't slice and, it uh, off the tee box. Don't slice it. Don't slice it. Yeah, do? <laughs> exactly. Don't don't worry about that water on the left. Yeah, freaking. Anyway, sorry. So that's what I remember most was that interception. Um, and then I do remember being in the hotel, just kind of gnawing on, you know, leather, trying to figure out what was going to go on with the national championship and the voting and all that stuff, and to find out that we actually split it with freaking Miami. Um, little disappointing i would have loved to have had a chance to play them like they do now uh hell we were we were trying to organize a game in the parking lot of the white house like we didn't care we wanted to figure it out uh, so i remember all that but i don't really remember like partying or you know celebrating or anything like that it uh obviously a great experience and my memories go back to practices and, and uh you know, locker room talk and the banter that you have with the, you know, your buddies in the locker room. I remember all of that or most of that. The very, like, almost no place. No place. Do you remember, like, we'd go down, Billy, like two weeks before the game, right? Coaches would be out recruiting. We'd yeah. have all these different activities every day. You know, some guys would go to Disneyland. Some guys would go to Tijuana. What What did you do? <laughs> we had some time off. Uh, well, that year I was married. Um, so I didn't do anything other than maybe went to Lowry's a little too often. I know we actually had that, that beef bowl thing there. And, and uh, I know I did really well. <laughs> I did really well at the beef bowl. Um, but I don't remember doing much other than just going to Disneyland, hanging out. And there was this little restaurant downtown uh, right next to Disney that used to, you know, you'd order a burger and fries and the burger would be one pound of beef and you'd get a, you know, 14 potatoes in the basket with fries and, uh, I remember that place. They closed it down because I guess too many people were dying of heart attacks or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't don't recall doing too much, Damon. I'm not going to lie. Well, a lot of Huskies remember you, bud, and they always will. 17-0 and 0 as a starter. There have been a lot of pretty good quarterbacks 
playing uh, at Husky Stadium, but none of them were undefeated. I know we're talking a little bit about that national championship game, but talk just a little about when you think about your career, all that you accomplished as a Husky, and just looking at, back at that time in your life. Well, the older I get, the fonder my memories are, and I think that comes with age. Uh, you tend to appreciate a little bit more everything that you have gone through to become the person that you are. Uh, it took me 25 to 30 years, 25 years at least. How long has it been? 30-something? Yeah. 30, I don't even know how long it's been. Come on, you're mad. You, you went to Puyallup High School. Dude, I'm, yeah, but I've had like 20-some-odd concussions. I suck. And I was a drama major at college, so all my math skills are gone. But the point that I'm trying to get at is the older I get, the fonder I am of my time at the University of Washington. The national championship season was special, but there's so many games leading up to that that I am I that I recall more fondly, like the Nebraska game was one hell of a memory for me. Uh that close game against USC, that was a great memory for me. Um that uh the game against I think it was Cal at Cal that we just squeaked out. That was a great memory for me. Um and my experiences with the players and my relationship with the players like Joe Krawick and Melinda McKay and Pino Bryant and Jay Barry and Kaufman and, or, and, and Hoffman. I mean, all those guys, I, I, I freaking to this day still love so much, even though I've talked to them ever, ever, except for Krawick. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I see Hoffman, you know, and obviously you, I can't, I can't, I can't avoid you. So Two, five, three, baby. Amen, brother. Amen. On to you all of <laughs> oh, you know, it was fun. fun last week, uh, Billy, or uh, Damon jumped on my radio show and hammered out every starter. It's amazing. You guys have concussions, you know, you you have your scars. And and yet, you know, once Damon started, he went through the whole 22 guys on that team and all of those amazing memories. I want to fast forward to this team and all of these dudes and watching Penix and Adunze and all and Thule and all of these difference makers that these guys have had in, in in Billy. They're thirteen and zero, man. You all went eleven and zero. You went twelve and zero to win the Rose Bowl and the national title. They're now thirteen and zero. They're going to have to go fourteen and zero. They'd have to go fifteen and zero to win that yeah, right national title. It's unbelievable. But when you watch this current group of Huskies and Penix, this offense in particular, what jumps out to Billy Joe? Well, their explosiveness and their ability to make plays in tight situations. Now, here's what I find fascinating. When I first started watching Phoenix, I wasn't like a huge fan. He, he was, well, one, and don't take offense to this because I know you and your nephew are tight, but I'm not a big fan of lefty quarterbacks in the first place. There's four exceptions, and I'm going to give uh, you, your nephew, Mark Purnell, and maybe Steve Young. Those are maybe the four lefties that I've ever liked in my lifetime. Um, but the more I watch this kid, the more I realize he is so much more – uh, of a quarterback than I realized in the beginning. I, I just thought he was an athlete that can throw the ball. Um, yeah. But then you start watching his eyes. Then you start watching his feet. Then you start watching his ability to extend the play and keep his eyes down the field, uh, which is a very hard ask for a lot of young quarterbacks nowadays. And I've been training quarterbacks off and on for 20-plus years, and I can tell you the biggest problem that I have is these young kids want to look good, but they don't want to play good. And uh, he knows how to do both, and it's obviously instinctive. Um but watching him make some of those throws in, in tight spots as accurately as he does, I've actually become a fan. Matter of fact, I, you know, I don't advertise who I am anymore on Twitter or anything like that. I have like two followers and I think one of them is my son. Um, and, but I posted on one of his things, like I was like Penix for Prez. I was like, 
let's get rid of all of our politics. Let's get penetrated because I will follow that guy. That dude's that dude's fun to watch. He's a good natural leader. I don't know the dynamic that he has in the locker room or with his team, uh, but I know that when he's on the field, he looks like a freaking general. Um, I live in Texas now, so obviously I'm hearing everything. They're saying that UW is the luckiest team in 2023. They've had so many close wins. They've had plays go their way, balls bounce their way. They've had calls get kind of toward their favor from the referees. And the only thing I can say about that is, dude, but they still won. They still freaking won. And they're like, oh, what about FSU? They didn't even make I'm like, yeah, but FSU should have been in there. And I don't want to talk about that because that will get me all pissed off. But um, they find a way to win. And they found a – okay, i got to talk about it now. FSU went unfreaking defeated And they're like, oh, they're, but they're not the best team. They lost their starter. But they still won with their backups. What does that yep. freaking tell you about the dynamic yep. of this team? They found a way to freaking win. Oh, sorry. I'm going to yep. get off on a tangent. Yep. This yep. year pissed me off more so than anything else, but obviously UW should be in. Obviously Michigan should be in. I think Alabama and, and Georgia should have had a one-quarter jamboree to figure out who's going to be in for that fourth spot, but FSU should have been the other one. Yep. Sorry. Okay, I'm done with that one. Sorry. Nope. I, I, I totally, totally agree. And, you know, the, to, to put yeah. some stats on what you were saying, he has been sacked 11 times in 13 games. I mean, just extraordinary. He's hardly hit. He has such a feel yeah. of getting rid of the ball, and that's going to be so critical on January 1 with with that Texas front who, who is pretty talented. Billy, if you had a chance, my last thing, Damon will probably fire one more at you. My last thing for you, if uh, Kalen DeBoer invited you down, where are they staying down there in New Orleans, Damon? Do you know where the team is staying? Uh, the Hilton Riverside, I believe. Okay, so if Kalen said, hey, Billy, I need you to come talk to the team the night before. Come down to the Hilton Riverside down here in New Orleans. You were part of the last national championship team. You were the general. You were the guy on the field leading it. You were 17-0. and 0. We've won our last 20-something games. You won 17 without a blemish. I want you, through all of your life experience, to speak to these guys tonight in the team meeting. What would Billy Joe's message be? Well, first of all, I'd ask Coach if he's sure that he wants me to speak to them. That would be the first thing. But in all seriousness, I would ask them to ask themselves, what is football to you? Is it the accolades? Is it the championships? Is the is it uh, you know the fame and the fortune and the, the women? Whatever your whatever your reason, I, I would ask them, what is football to you? And then I would ask them what you're willing to give to the game of football to be the best. Because everybody talks about the work that they put in and what they get out of football, but what do you what are you giving to football? What are you willing to give to the game of football to be the best? Just one time. Because if you're not willing, and I, I hate to say this in today's climate, but if you're not willing to sacrifice a limb, if you're not willing to sacrifice your own body for the guy next to you, then I would suggest you're playing the game for the wrong reason. If you're willing to protect the guy next to you like he's your, your brother, your mother, your father, your sister, your cousin, whatever, um, then I would say that you're going to be playing the game for the right reason. And if you go out, and you play this game, and hopefully the next one, with the thought in mind that you're not going to let any harm whatsoever come to the guy next to you. And you're going to play every single snap for the, the blood, sweat, and tears that you shared with the guy next to you. And you're willing to break an arm. You're willing to freaking slam a shoulder. You're willing to freaking do whatever it takes to score that touchdown, to get that extra yard, to, 
to, to get that interception, to get that sack. That would be my message. If you're willing to do that, then no matter what happens, you will never leave this game with regret. You will never walk away with anything other than feeling victorious because you gave the game of football something that most people aren't willing to give nowadays because it's about what can it do for me? What can I get from football? Well, what are you giving to football? And it took a long time for me to learn that lesson too. I mean, it took 15 years after the NFL before I realized I I wasn't giving to the game. So I changed my life on that aspect. And I would suggest that for them, if they want to live a very guilt-free life, give everything you've got. Be willing to sacrifice freaking everything because tomorrow doesn't matter. And I tell my son, I text him every single week, I love you, be safe, but there's no tomorrow. Play the game like there's no tomorrow. So if you play the game like there's no tomorrow, what happens to you is not going to freaking matter. Does that make sense? Yep. And that would yeah. be my message. Lots of wisdom. Very deep. It's good stuff, Billy. Um, Okay, these guys, listen, you, no, it's awesome. I'm sure Mike Hewer gave you some of that too. Uh, 100%. Okay. I stole that from Mike. <laughs> there you go. All right, but I got to ask you, okay, so he, that's the speech the night before the game. You lived in New Orleans. For, you played for the Saints mm-hmm. for how many years, two or three? I, Mike Dick is years. So yes, okay, I maybe came four. came at the end of his first year and, yeah, left right before the end of his last year, yeah. Okay, so they just landed in New Orleans yesterday, right? They're there for a week. They're like 19 Nolan. to 22 years old in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. What would be the speech when you land there? You're there for a week. You're a kid. There's Bourbon <laughs> Street. What are you going to say to them? Same thing. It'd be almost the same speech that we got going into to Pullman the first time is black out the windows, ignore the distraction, go do your job, and then whatever happens after the game, be safe and sane, but, you know, hopefully you're going to be celebrating. But that is a scary, beautiful town. Like, it's it's scary because a lot of young kids don't know how to handle what's going to be thrown at them if they go to the wrong parts of town. But it is a beautiful town. There's New Orleans is one of the – Orleans is one of the best places I've ever lived in my life. I love that freaking town. Love it. But you got to be careful. you got to watch your, your P's and Q's. Cross your T's, dot your I's, and get your ass home. Perfect. <laughs> yes, yeah. the absolute best way to end it. Billy, man, we love you. Appreciate you. Not only a love champion at the University of Washington, brought Mike Ewart a state championship in 1987 with the King Bowl as well. And um, those are memories, too. We could do a whole nother show on uh, the memories of 1987 and all you, all the joy you brought that community, the love to our family and to your teammates then. And, and keep doing what you're doing, brother. We uh, really, really appreciate those memories and the stories. Thanks, Billy. Right on, man. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys so much. Be well, and hopefully I'll see you guys uh, in a couple We're going to see you in Houston. There we uh, go. For a week, buddy. All right. Go, dog. See y'all. Thanks, Billy. Billy. Appreciate it. So you hear from Billy Damon. You hear his messaging right there of lay it all on the line. And when I think about this Husky team and actually who they're up against, I, I brought out my board, my Texas board for our final podcast before this game. So looking over all my notes of, of the, in their stories and the bios of so many of those guys. And actually as Billy was talking there about his message and what it would be to the team, that there is no tomorrow, that you lay everything on the line, that you do it for the brother next to you. I think both of these teams, probably all four, if we were to dig into Michigan and Alabama and and knew them like we know these Huskies, I think you would find that same sentiment. But as Billy was talking, how could you not think of Roma Dunze's broken rib and punctured lung and driving 20-some hours to not miss a game, right, to come back the next week? Think about Dylan Johnson playing at 60% against Wazoo. He was only supposed to play 10 to 12 snaps that game. That was the plan going in. 
And he sure played a whole bunch more than that because they needed him. Truly gutting it out for huge stretches there with a knee that just was problematic over the course of the year. And those are just statements, some of the known stories. We don't even know of all of the other guys that went into that and all the training room hours and just the sacrifice. This team strikes me as a team as much as any other over the last 10, 15 years as a group that understands what Billy was talking about. It is about the guy next to me and maybe even Michael Penix's jacket at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, right? Where it wasn't even about Michael, but it was about all those guys. Tell me this team doesn't resonate exactly what Billy was talking about, of making it about your teammate next to you much more than even about yourself. For sure. I mean, I there's one stat. This, this has nine six-year players. It actually has 10 yeah. six-year players, but nine who've like been there the whole time for six Correct. years. Correct. Like, like this is a family, right? Like it's hard. Why do you think that is? Why do you, why do you think that I, I saw that floating around on social media as well? More double, triple quadruple more than anybody else. Uh, certainly the, in, in, in these playoffs and, and in the bowl season, why, why do you think that is the case that nine, 10 of them stuck around through coaching change, through transfer portal, through all NIL, all of the opportunities they have. Why do you think they did stick? I think, um, well, let's go back to Chris Peterson and his whole, you know, uh, our kind of guy, the, the okay mm -hmm. thing. Um, character always wins, always wins. I don't care if you're five star, what character wins. And I think to, you know, all those guys were, were part of that class coming in there. And that was his thing is to recruit character guys. And all Caitlin DeBoer has done is carried that same belief into the kids that he's brought into the program through the transfer portal, through recruiting these guys, you know, I, I love these players that have PhDs you say, what's that? Well, they're not so much anymore, but poor, hungry, and driven, right? You know, all these kids come in there, they're, they're, it's not just about um, the NFL, right? It's about being hungry to win, to build a legacy, being driven to be the best that you can be both in the classroom and on the field. And yeah, they're not so poor anymore with NIL, but those are the kind of kids I think that just, you know, Husky football, I think is kind of built that way, right? Like we're kind of up here. It's it's kind of tough living. You know, it's not always the best climate, especially come mid-October when the winds and the rain and everything comes in here. Um, you know, the days are really, really short and you know, you gotta, you gotta be tough and you gotta mm -hmm. be driven. And mm -hmm. um, those are the kids that are, a part of this program today. They're the right character guys. They are going to lay it on the line for their brother next to them. They've been through so much, so many of them that this, this means so much to them. And it's not just about the fame and fortune and all that stuff that Billy alluded to, but it is about the moment about being present and taking it all in and then writing history. And these boys have a chance to do that. And I'm not betting against them. Yeah, I would uh, just co-sign on all of that. I think that's really well said. I would add kind of two elements to that, and it's a term that you hear NFL people talk about when they're evaluating college kids and college players and just their love of the game, what Billy was talking about. What are you willing to give to the game? Just a care factor. There's just such a high care factor, a care factor for their own development. Right, you just watch these guys work, and you get the privileges I have. And you're out there practicing, hosting people, Damon, and showing showing off the program and and showcasing the program. And there is just such a high care factor. Number one, and then number two, the word that resonates with me when I think of Chris Peterson and Kalen DeBoer, they're genuine. Mm. 
in a business that is so disingenuous, in a business that is so salesy, in a business that's so marketing, in a business that's about so many either university brands or that own coach's brand, it just strikes me that Chris and Kaylin from the same cloth, just genuine. And when you're real and you're genuine, people want to be around you. Yeah. Right. Larry Hills, my father-in-law loves to say people do business with people they enjoy doing business with. Mm. It's not always just the bottom line, but I want to do business with people I enjoy working with. And once again, it just strikes me that Kaylin and Chris both understand that, Hey man, we're here to play and all these other things. There's a genuineness with just both of, of who they are, as you said, in their character. And I think that that's why a big reason why 10 of these dudes have stuck around for six years in one locale. It just doesn't happen in college football. No, it's unbelievable. And you know, if you're a parent and you're have an 18, 19 year old kid and you come on a recruiting trip and, and, and you sit down with, with Kalen DeBoer and, and you just, you're right. Just so genuine, so real. I mean, that's, that's where you want your kid to, to grow up in that very influential time of his life. And um, you know, it's amazing. Like, you know, football, means so much to every one of those guys, right? That sign on the dotted line or get to be fortunate enough to come play at the University of Washington. But it's everything else in their life going on that can get in the way of their football dreams. So I think mm -hmm. there really is that focus from Kalen, certainly when I worked with Chris, just making sure that these kids' house is in order, everything going on, whether it's their academics, their living situation, their social life, their relationships, and touching base on all those things. And you do that and your house is in order. It's amazing how football will just kind of take care of itself because football means so much to them. Talk to me. Uh, this could be our last podcast before the semifinal. Hopefully we get another one next Wednesday talking about a national championship and a, a two-step down there in Texas with Houston or in Houston for the, for the national title game. Talk to me because I know what I'm looking at. I got some numbers here that I'll spit out after your answer. Talk to me about the actual football on the field. Mm -hmm. What do you think will be a couple of the biggest factors, not culture, not what you give, not character, not all of this stuff off of the field, the actual, like Billy Joe, don't throw it to a dropping linebacker, the actual football. What do you think will be some of the defining factors Monday night? Yeah. Well, I think certainly how you, the start you get to, right. I mean, that was so important. I think in that PAC 12 championship game, the dogs, that first drive, even though they only got a field goal out of it, you know, they, 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 they kept the ball for like, you know, almost eight minutes. And then then they get that quick three and out with the Oregon offense that had been so explosive for well over a month. And it's like they kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. So I think, you know, the dogs, uh, you know, big layoff here. You know, you talk about, you know, uh, tackling turnovers and special teams, right? When mm -hmm. when there's that layoff, those those little things that come into play. You just quote but, Chris Peterson? Is that what you I just did? did? You, you know, just, yeah, I, you did. I did. From but, our but show I, last week. I mean, you can quote the Brock and Salk show. It's, it's okay. You not, can quote Wayne. Not when Chris just was on the show coach, with Brock and, and me. Yeah. But th that's not just Coach Pete. I mean, that was that was Bill Belichick. That was – it's amazing those those three things come into play. You think it's, you know, all the, the big plays or this – but it's, it is the tackling, which, you know, teams don't practice tackling anymore. It's, it's hard to, you want to keep them fresh. The turnovers, it doesn't matter what level game. I mean, you know, changing the field position, changing the momentum football is a game of momentum. You turn the ball over, you're going to lose. You lose it. You lose the turnover battle. Odds are you're probably going to lose the game. And then special teams. It is just crazy. When you do take time off, 
you know, uh, is your punter sharp? Can your field goals, you know, keep the momentum going? You know, can can you can you execute the the te- the, the kickoff team? Like all those things, it's crazy. So yes, and I've heard that at all levels. And Coach Pete said it recently, and he's spot on. Um, so yeah, but but the game itself, I think it truly is going to come down to the trenches. Um, you know, it, it it usually does. And everyone's talking about this Texas defensive line. I'm not so worried mm-hmm. about pass protection. We're going to hold up there. We've held up for two years in that regards. But can we, you know, what what I think is different about this team going forward and really gives them a real chance to win the national championship has been this evolution of their run game. And the Texas front seven is will be the best front seven we've played all year. Can mm-hmm. we do enough with that run game you know, to set up the play action pass, to sustain drives, to convert on the fourth downs, the fourth and shorts like we have all year long. So, you know, that's going to be just a huge matchup for us. And then defensively, man, I love the way our defense is playing. I mean, there's been no better defense that's been more opportunistic and more clutch this year than this Husky defense. They're going to do their thing. They're going to keep us in this game. I just hope we can get that, keep that running game momentum going that we've had. Because we do that, it's going to be easy for Michael uh, and the boys to to get it done through the air. Um, I would add one last thing to all of that, and that is situational football. That you get into, and on this stage, and in these moments where teams are pretty evenly matched. I mean, all four of these teams that are left standing, they're all you know pretty dynamic. A QB, they can all score. They're you know they're pretty darn sound. There's there's a reason they they kind of lasted through these 13 game gauntlet to to get where they are. But situational football will be, I think, so critical. Um, when I had them, Texas in the opener, Damon, and they played Rice. And the year before, I had asked uh, Coach Sarkeesian. Actually, I'll pull up exactly my. My, my question here, because I looked back at the 2022 season, and I was like, you know, Sark, you guys did so many things well, and but there were two areas situationally that you guys were really a struggle, third downs and red zone. Mm-hmm. That when you looked at their numbers and all the success in many of these ways, explosive plays, third downs and red zone were a struggle. And he's like, poof, you nailed that. Like that's been our emphasis all season. Damon, mm-hmm. right now, end of the year. Again, so many things well, and they play great situational defense. They're second in the country, third down defense. They're 12th in the country in red zone, but they're 69th in third down percentage offensively, and they're 119th in the red zone. Wow. So if you can, wow. by the way, the Huskies are pretty good in those areas. They're down and scored touchdowns. Really, really good in those areas. And, and, and that's so, a surprise, really, as creative as yes, Stark, especially on third down. And to me, that, you know, that I'm a fan of but, Quinn Ewers, don't get me wrong, but yes. I'd so much rather have Michael Penix. And oh, those, no two, those two, those two, yep. those two numbers right there, I mean, though, th- that's on the quarterback. That quarterback, yep. you're the one who's got to make those plays on third yep. down to extend those drives. And then in the red zone, you know, it's about being smart with the football. Obviously, it's kind of like you know, one shot, then check down. And 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 you, you, they're going to need touchdowns yep. when they're down there versus this Husky offense. It's averaging nearly yep. three points a game. So anyway, go ahead. Huskies eleventh and eighteenth in those two areas offensively. By the way, and for much of the year before the really tough gauntlet and bad weather and everything else, they were number one in the country on third downs. And I, you know, and that was his answer. I said, "Well, what do you got to do?" And he did. He didn't want to put it all on Quinn. He's like, "Our protection wasn't always great in third downs, and we're a better protecting team this year." But that word creativity, 
Can you in the red zone as a QB be creative with your with your mind, with your arm, with your legs, whatever you got to do? You know, either throw it right on time and throw an absolutely precise missile, or if it is not there, can you buy a little bit of time and create those second and third kind of window opportunities? And then ultimately, as we saw with Penix down the stretch, can you run? That's right? it. I mean, he ran for some touchdowns, you know. So the, that creativity, the creativity, in those situations also, will be key. I promise you, the best red zone offenses are those that can run the football. When you get down there inside the yeah. 10, inside the five-yard line, and you think about, like, that was always the biggest criticism of the spread offense or the air raid offense. Okay, yeah, you've gone up and down the field throwing the football. Well, if you don't score on a 35-yard touchdown pass and you you got to run the ball in from, you know, the three- or four-yard line, now you're going to tell these offensive linemen to put their hand in the dirt and fire off the football and pound this thing in. You, you know, not a lot of teams can do that. So, nope. But the good teams and the Huskies, they found this run game. And my, oh, my, have they been good in the red zone. And But those are some fascinating stats, Brock, and I promise you that could be a huge factor in this game next Monday. Okay, last thing. Give me a score. You, you said last week you felt pretty good about the Huskies. As every day goes by, we're now days away from this kickoff. You got to give me a final little score, final little thought on what we think is going to happen New Year's Day. I'm going to go Dogs 35, Texas 24. Mm. I'm going to go UW 31, Texas 28. I think there will be points, you know, and, and everyone's pointed to that and these dynamic offenses, but you also get to this stage. And as you said, with the layoff and everything else, some of the timing, some talented defenses and know how to take the ball away in some places. I don't think we're going to be in the forties. I think the winner though is going to have to have a three by its name. As you, as you said, 35, I said 31, I think got to be prepared to score in the thirties to win the Sugar Bowl and get to that national title and hopefully another one. Well, we'll do one of these regardless of whatever the outcome is, but hopefully we'll be next week talking about, yeah, getting ready for a national 14 and O national title attending oh. Husky yeah. team, man. It's amazing. What a special year, special time. No question about it. No question about it, brother. Always appreciate you. What a blast. That was fun with Billy as well. Billy got a lot of my cured in him. You know, I think yeah. you and I do, but I think of any of us three boys, the one that got the most my cured was actually a state champion QB and Billy Joe, man. Fun stuff. Have a great one, bro. Have a great time down in New Orleans, too. Thank you. Go dogs.